Hello, everyone. I am Chase Jarvis. Welcome to another episode of that show that I named after myself called Chase Jarvis Live here on Creative Live. This is a show where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I get to unpack actionable, valuable insights with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. My guest today is a superstar. You know him as Jared Leto. He is certainly one of the most accomplished and versatile creators of our generation. You know him from all kinds of stuff. Uh, films like Fight Club, one of my favorite films of all time, Requiem for a Dream, The Dallas Buyers Club, for example, where he won the freaking Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and this summer's blockbuster, record-breaking Suicide Squad, among all sorts of other films. And in case this wasn't enough, he's also the front man of the band 30 Seconds to Mars, which has sold something on the order of like 15 million albums worldwide. I've had the good fortune of knowing Jared for several years now. Uh, We've had some mutual friends, and they introduced us at first to talk about the democratization of creativity, I think, because we both share that belief that you know now is the first time in the history of the world that we don't require permission from anyone to go after our creative dreams, uh, but also because Jared is the founder of a live streaming website called Vert, V-Y-R-T, whose purpose, whose mission, service, I guess, is providing a live streaming infrastructure for musicians to host private paid concerts. So given my background with Creative Live, we talked a lot about live streaming also. He was intrigued with what we were building. And actually on the back of those conversations, Jared became an investor. He was so excited about Creative Live. So we've got that working for us as well. Uh, And what you get to see here, or what did you get to see? What you get to hear here is our conversation that, you know, it has both that sort of familiar tone to it because uh, we've had a lot of conversations before, but also, you know, Jared treats this conversation with what I find is a lot of respect, humility, takes it seriously. I love that aspect. You know, so many times you hear superstars from Hollywood, They're just talking like they're on the next sort of movie promo and they're just giving like little one line canned answers. But in this episode, we actually get real. And uh, I think you see you see an element of Jared that is um, I guess it's a serious side of him. He he doesn't just kick these questions around. uh, He contemplates them and you get real soulful answers. Uh, We also talk in this episode about one of my favorite things, which is the fact that we are all hyphens. You know, go back to my earlier point about, you know, the democratization of creativity, that time is upon us. But we all have to be so many things now. We have to be creatives and entrepreneurs and business people. And we have to combine all of those things in order to make a living in a life that we love. Uh, You don't have to, I guess, but that is really a new path. Uh, It's the first time where the, the traditional path is potentially the more risky path than you know going into business for yourself or certainly pursuing your passions. I'm no longer quote just a photographer and you know I'm an entrepreneur all those other things. And Jared, be the, being this multi hyphenate person that he is, he is really qualified to speak at length about this. And then another another conversation that I feel like doesn't get had certainly doesn't get had at that level of star that Jared is is, is around failing um, with so many you know mega stars like Jared who've won an Oscar and sold millions of albums. It's impossible sometimes to get them to talk about failure because there's some belief that it tarnishes their brand or their publicist has always, you know, got their nose and they're trying to say how everything is off them all the time. Well, Jared, he talks more eloquently about failing than anybody else that's in that arena that, that, that he rolls in. He talks really, really smartly, intelligently, if you will, about that. We all fail. We fail in small ways every day. And Jared paints a great picture with some really specific examples of how failing on a small daily basis, even through just individual line delivery in a film, how that failing allows him to be very, very successful. So <laughs> I think all that sets a great scene for our conversation. And But before we get into this episode, a quick shout out from our sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest hub for online creative education. Education in photo, video, art design, music and audio, and the ability to make a living and a life in those disciplines. It's the highest quality, highly curated classes taught by the world's top experts. We're talking Pulitzer Prize winners, Oscar winners, Grammy Award winners, New York Times bestselling authors, and the best entrepreneurs of our time. Names like Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington are on the platform. And you get classes taught from guys like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, uh, Ramit Sethi. Again, I could list uh, a thousand other names of the top photographers, designers, musicians, the best in class. You get it. Now, right now, if you're familiar with me and my work, you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Isn't that a company that you started, Chase? Well, yes, it is. In fact, Creative Live makes this entire podcast possible. And in fact, all of my longstanding Chase Jarvis Live shows. Creative Live has millions of students around the world. More than 2 billion minutes of education have been consumed on that video platform. So, you know, that's a little bit of the sort of the what and the how behind Creative Live. But here's the why, which I think is so critical. Creative Live exists to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. In short, I started Creative Live with a bunch of really committed friends because we saw a, a big need in the world. We wanted to help our peers and friends and, and folks out there in the world transition to new careers, live new dreams, take the leap, if you will, into an entirely different sort of direction where you can leave that job, maybe your job with the man, and strike out on your own. I also saw my peers in the photo and the design world needing to sort of up their skills and get ahead. And I saw friends who were happily working at great companies but wanted to pursue their hobby to a next level that you know, might someday parlay into a side hustle. So we built that platform. Uh, these classes at Creative Live are the most highly and authentically produced of any of the online video platforms you'll experience. The top experts, it's all shot with four to eight cameras, all in HD, beautifully presented and accessible on desktop, tablet, mobile. You know I stand for quality and that's what Creative Live uh, puts out. To that end, I have also taken it upon myself to curate a handful of my very favorite classes and mix them in with some of the top performing classes on Creative Live. And I'll bake that into a landing page called creativelive.com slash hustle just for you. This community listens to our podcast here. So you should go there and you should check that out as a special thank you for being a podcast listener. If you find a class that you love, either from the ones that I've curated or elsewhere on the site, and you want to buy it, during checkout, enter the code CHASER. That's my name plus an R, just C-H-A-S-E-R. And do that during checkout and you'll get 25% off your order. Uh, I think that's awesome and I hope you do too. So thanks very much for checking it out. Let me know what you think. Now that's it for the sponsors. Uh, Now let's get into the show. All right, Jared, thanks again for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Of course. It. Um, well, first of all, very excited to uh, sit down with you because I think uh, I talked about in the intro and I've sat down with many people who are a thing. They are an entrepreneur, they are an actor, or they are a musician, and you are many things. We were talking about that before we started recording. Uh, we're all starting to become multi-hyphenates. Like, uh, how, how do you define yourself besides human being? Um, is it artist? Do you uh, consider yourself a musician? Or do you, do you play to whatever strength the environment requires you to be in that particular moment? Well, people have asked me for a long time now about the many different things that I do. And I've, I've responded often that I think it's really just a reflection of the times that we live in. I think that a lot of people do a lot of different things. And the ability to do that is pretty intoxicating. Um, 
you know, it opens up a whole new uh, way to fail, um, which is great because you learn a lot from failure. Uh, but for me, it was a chance to have more responsibility, to take on uh, and have more control, and uh, uh, to bring whatever vision that either I had or we had as a team, 30 Seconds to Mars, uh, to life. Um, and I think working like with record companies taught me a lot about how to be independent because yeah. there can be a lot of bureaucracy with big companies like that. Of course. Um, and we've always been independent-minded and, and, and big believers that you shouldn't wait for permission to get into action. So if you, if you take those kind of steps, and if that is your philosophy, then you end up doing a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that uh, I'm aware of, is it, as you just sort of alluded to, it's the first time in the history of the world where the gatekeepers are either not present or way in the background relative to historically, if you wanted to hang in a gallery, you needed permission from the gallerist. You wanted to be in a magazine, you needed permission from the photo editor. You wanted to be in a, a film, uh, you had to wait for someone else to produce that film and, and decide whether or not they were gonna include you in it. Uh, you mentioned being independent. Uh, is this something that I'm just tuned into? Or do, you, do you feel that same groundswell of uh, independence is the new, it's almost riskier to go with the old system than it is to uh, remain independent. That's my thesis, how, how would you wrap I mean, that? I think that's the, one of the great things technology has given us is the ability to not ask permission from the gatekeepers, to be uh, independent, spirited, um, to be able to write a song in our garage and put it up the same day, get feedback, uh, and then break down in tears because everyone hates it. <laughs> because the, um, the YouTube comments. Right? Yeah, uh, but, but th that's the good thing. I mean, it's harder than ever to find uh, uh, content, to find work, and, and maybe in, sometimes to find an, an audience. But um, I, I still think it's a wonderful um, time right now to be able to speak your mind and to share your voice with the world without having to ask for permission. Um, so that, that's really exciting, yeah. So one of the, the uh, I think learning how to learn is a really core part of this new ecosystem where you can be, or, and especially sort of, if our parents had one job, we will have five and our next generation will have five at the same time, like lifelong learning becomes a really important part of it. Um, the way that I approached it was I went way deep into photography and like learned how to learn how to become a photographer, mastered that, and then was able to move into directing and now sort of into building companies. But I, I, didn't, I never really was aware of your process or progress. Uh, did you have that same sort of approach or did you just start doing everything all at the same time and you know, the rising tide floated all your boats? How did you approach it? Well, I started off in art school uh, Here in LA, or where, where? No, no. I was on the East Coast, and I was studying to be a painter. And you know, I always knew I wanted to do something creative with my life. But while I was in art school, that's a great opportunity to try out a lot of different things. And I loved sculpture. I loved fine art. Um, I really loved photography. I spent a lot of time in the dark room, 
It's a great place to. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, just to, you come out eight hours later. Yeah, the covered time is in like some literally. <laughs> time stops. Carcinogenic chemicals and just right. like yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> You know, and that red light, mm -hmm. uh, people don't experience that anymore. It's super it's, romantic. Yeah, it's very that, cool. That, and yeah. that, that magical moment when you would, first of all, take uh, photographs. I did a lot of street photography back then, which was, you know, an obvious place to go to because you had people to shoot and... Yeah, you know, don't, don't require sort of yeah, sitting down opposite. Yeah. You can just, yeah, yeah. And I like to observe and... Uh, uh, so anyway, but that magic moment when you take a some photographs and then you would go and process the film um, and, then, and then look at your film and see, oh, okay, there's something there in the negative. And then that other moment where you would, when you would take it into the dark room and, Tilt you know, the tray. Yeah, and just, see, oh. see an image for the first time or a mistake or a photo that had, you know, maybe, maybe the shutter speed was, was set in a way where there was maybe a little bit too much movement, but it, it ended up being a good thing. Something you would have corrected had you known, but you didn't, and then ended up with something that was, I guess, the holy accident. Yeah. Uh, and and that, was, that was a pretty magical thing to learn from. Um, but anyway, our, our art school was an important period of time for me, and I, and I guess I did start to learn that you can express yourself in a lot of different ways uh, during that period. And I carried that with me um, even through today. Sure, and, I'm, and I'm a big believer that you, that you don't ask permission um, to be a photographer, to be an editor, to be an interviewer, um, <laughs> that we all have, <laughs> yeah, we all have the ability yeah. to, um, and the right to succeed gloriously or fail gloriously. For sure. And uh, yeah. This, yeah. This started out for me very, very uh, selfishly. Like my own, I've only had a career as an artist and I started being really inspired by mostly non-photographers. People were outside my genre. People were doing a lot of different things. Uh, and in this series, fortunately, I'm, I am connected to or friends with most of these folks who have been inspirational. So I believe in the sort of the long form answer. Also, I know you don't give many of these long interviews. So A, thankful for your time. But B, given that this is in a soundbite world, is there anything that you want to talk about with the variety of projects that you're working on? Like the fact that, um, was it music first and then acting? Was it acting for, you know, then music? What, what was your sort of priority? Do you have that or again, was it? Well, I, for me, it was art first and it was visual art first. But I was raised in a way where visual art, performance art, music, uh, it was all the same thing, photography, film, yeah. it was all the same thing. That wasn't a different type of person that did that. Um, it wasn't a different path, it was a creative path. So I think that the creative path was first, art was first, and that's still the path that I'm on. Um, of course, you have to be, and uh, you have to do business mm -hmm. uh, sure. at times, and the, that, that uneasy uh, relationship will always be there. Uh, but but I started on the creative path and and that's the path that I really like to be on. Uh, you mentioned the business side. Let's go there for a second because I think it creates a lot of anxiety for uh, folks who identify creative. Um, how important is it to develop your own chops? I consider you a really astute um, or aware um, business person. Is that a learned trait? Did you have that? 
is that part of art school? Were you learning that simultaneously, or, or, or did you realize it was going to add value to your career trajectory? Like, what, what role does that play in there? Because it can be slippery for some people. It plays a huge role. Uh, you either have to find someone who you trust, and they are your partner, your manager, your CEO, uh, whatever, um, or you have to become that person yourself. Or there's, there's a lot of gray area there. Yeah. But I think that the more knowledge you have, the better. Uh, you, and you, you certainly learn once you get taken good advantage of, that's a good lesson uh, to learn sometimes. And you know, we've certainly had that happen with us and that was documented in Artifact. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that. Sure. And you know, I thought I was pretty informed before that happened to us and th to 30 Seconds to Mars. But I had a lot to learn. And while I made that film, even after I went through the process, I learned even more making the film than I did uh, going through getting sued by a record company for $30 million. That's so nuts. Yeah. For the folks at home who are, uh, might not be here, Artifact, incredible documentary, documenting that journey. Um, and the short version is that they had a great contract, signed it, were touring globally all over the place, massive success, huge revenue, and yet, you found out you're in debt. Yeah, them. we sold millions of albums and then found out we were millions of dollars in debt and we looked into it and, and, and discovered that we were in this kind of uh, uh, convoluted contractual nightmare that we would never really get out of. Um, so we went to war and we fought for our creative freedom and we won. Uh, and we documented that with this film, this little movie. I mean, so we learned about business. It's a great business. film, by the way. Thank you, I appreciate fun. it. And super we learned fun. how to make a documentary, which is very, very hard to yeah. make a feature-length documentary, is I think one of the hardest things to do uh, that I've done creatively. Interesting. What was the, uh, you mentioned it was a positive outcome, but uh, how about the, the time when you realized that you had to take action on your behalf, that... You, whether it was managers or whatever, that that wasn't going to be something that uh, you were going to leave to other people that you had to step up and sort of, again, I'm trying to unpack for, for so many people on the other side of these cameras, yeah. there's that drama of like, oh God, like it's not my area of specialization. I'm an artist, I'm a creative, but you clearly had to lean well, into it. We had something happen to us uh, and, and, and it's a, more of a, I think, a feeling when you're being treated unfairly mm -hmm. and you know you have to do the, what's right. So for us, it was very clear that there was a right and a wrong here. Kind of like if someone fell down in front of you in the street, I don't know about you, like I reach my hand out. Absolutely. And I, I say, you okay, you know? Of course. Um, so that was, for us, it was very clear. Like this is a battle that we have to fight. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be kind of dangerous in a way, professionally. Um, because other artists had walked that path and, and lost a great deal um, many times. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it was a very clear decision for us. But I think as far as learning about business, I think you learn as you go through the process of uh, the creative process. You, you, know, you take a, fig a photograph, you take a photograph and then you uh, figure out, well, well, how do I share this? Um, how do I make a living doing this? Uh, how do I make a living... How do I sell a photograph maybe even before a living? And then how do I do this again? Um, how do I repeat this? How do I make this sustainable? Uh, who are the people that can help me do this? So it, it's kind of a, a process that, that um, it's self-fulfilling in a way, yeah. I think, as you go through it. 
But you guys must talk about that a lot in here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Creative Live, like, it's not just, that's one thing that, um, that I opted out of art school uh, was because there wasn't sort of a way to make a living there. It was very much just the craft and the craft. Um, I sought out my own teachers and mentors through the process. Yeah. And like, if there's nothing like having to put food on your own table as a motivator for how to figure yeah. out the business side of it. Um, and that's one thing we do talk about at Creative Live a lot. There's the Money and Life channel, which is specifically about how to make a living and a life in each one of these, in photography, in film, in design. Um, and that has proven to be one of like our most powerful channels for sure. It's incredible today though, the amount of information that's out there. Like if you wanna be a photographer, you can come to Creative Live and learn almost everything, yeah. probably everything you need to know. Uh, when I w went to art school, there was a process that was kind of mysterious, you know, and you needed a lot more equipment. If you wanted to process your own film, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lot of work to do that in your house. You have to make a darkroom, you have Go to get to chemicals, you have the to do... The bathroom turns into a toxic place yeah, when you do that. So yeah, so it was, it was the, the barrier of entry was much higher. Mm -hmm. So I think that we live in a really exciting time where people don't have to get caught up in some of the, that Sisyphean task of the, the technology that was there at the time has been made much simpler, easier, non-toxic. And, uh, and people can focus on the creative part of it. Yeah, let's talk about, um, well, <laughs> there, in my intro, yeah. I slipped and said, um, best supporting actress. Yeah. And then you called me on it right when we opened. And specifically that was around the character that you played. A, like, we've talked about this a little bit before, congratulations. B, I, I was, in that space where Rayon was, you played a trans character, Rayon, and she's a woman in my mind. Mm. Um, very, very powerful performance. How, how, how does one prepare for something that's such an investment like that? I mean, you're, you're, well, there's, there's a lot written, and I've talked to other mutual friends that have, uh, were closer to it than I was, but the, that it was just a phenomenal performance. You were method actor in character like can you just go there for us for a little bit and give me a little bit of context there? well I guess when I take on uh, a role I become um, a writer uh, a detective uh, you know amateur uh, psychiatrist and I start to investigate this life and 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 it's kind of like uh it reminds me a bit of of learning about sculpture when i was in art school um you know and and you hear this kind of cliche it's about uncovering what's there uh uh sometimes you know but i but i think with with building a role building a character you for me i like to immerse myself as much as possible in this new life and really uh, um, dive as deep as possible uh, because I think that the deeper that you dive, uh, the greater everything will be, the reward, uh, the contribution that you're able to make um, the truth, the authenticity. Um, so with Rayon, with the Joker, with all of it, um, 
you know, I start from a place of asking questions, you know, and I start from a, a real, like below, ba like the, the baseline is really low. I start having no answers. Um, assume which, nothing. As, yeah, assume nothing. And, you know, I, I oftentimes have no idea uh, where I'm going to end up. I would say I never really know where I'm going to end wow. up. Um, I may have some instinct uh, and be excited about some ideas, but I ask a lot of questions and, you know, you, you never know what piece of research that you do, what book you read, what person that you meet and interview with, um, whether it's a psychiatrist who worked at a prison for, you know, 40 years with dealing with psychopaths and, um, or you're at a shelter in Louisiana talking to uh, transgender kids. Um, you never know where you're going to learn um, that key bit of information that informs a huge part of a performance. So, when, when you, There's a little bit of a leading question that I'll reveal why I went there. Uh, and it's, it seems to me that you're talking about it in terms of method acting and specifically with Rayon. But that, that, that deal of authenticity and going deep and maybe to a place you don't want to go and you never know where the most valuable things are going to come from, but it's really the journey that impacts that. Is it fair to say that that transcends just method acting to, to music, to telling your own story, to art, to just at large, that depth, I, authenticity, willing to go there, I think vulnerability? it probably is very similar to the way that I've worked on other projects outside of acting. And, and, and I guess goes back to what we talked about before. It's really the same thing to me. It all comes from the same place. You know, it's hard to list sometimes, uh, you know, the, all the things that I do because, of, of course, you say musician. Of course, you say actor. And you could say entrepreneur, which we were talking it's about before, cliche, which is a little painful, wonky of yeah. a word. Uh, but I'm also an editor. I'm also, I spend a great deal of my time editing. Uh, that's something I do most days of the week. I'm working on an edit of something. Um, you know, I've done a lot of photography in my life. I've done a lot of art in you're my life. You're curating, you're producing documentary films, you're directing documentary yeah. films. And, and then there's the whole business side of life as well. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, again, I think we live in a really fun time where you don't have to ask permission to explore uh, a lot of different avenues. The trap door is doing too many things and not doing them um, to a degree where there's a sense of reward. Because uh, you don't have to do things, like you could say you don't want to do too many things because you won't do them well. Well, you don't have to do things well in order, order for them to be worthy. Um, some people like to surf. They don't surf very well but it's still fun. That's me. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, and there are a lot of things that are still fun if you don't do them well, if you know what I mean. I do. Um, but uh, so it's, it's great to do that. I think you just have to have some sense of reward with those things, you know. Yeah. Let's go back to Rayon for a second. The reward, was the reward playing the role? Was the reward the Oscar? Was it a combination or was it something different? No, I think the reward was, as far as the, 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 the character and the role, the reward was the building and the dreaming up of this life. Uh, she wasn't based on a 
real person. A lot of people don't realize that because it was a true story um, based on a true story, uh, the Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, but I think it was dreaming up this, breathing life into this character. That, that's the most exciting part for me. And, and of the, of, uh, as far as like accolades and those other things go, the biggest reward of getting awards is being able to share that experience with other people that are close to you and to be able to take that light that shines your direction and shine it back on other things. The empathy that you had in your acceptance speech for that was, to me, every bit as moving as the performance because you use that as an opportunity to, as you said, reflect that light back on. There was, was a great use of that, um, if not rare, certainly fleeting moment of being, to having, having that the attention that you had on you there. I thought it was just a brilliant, brilliant way of Thank you, I appreciate that. it. Super powerful. Um, Artifact, let's touch that. You said it was one of your hardest projects ever. Why was it hard? Was it was because it was about you? Was it because well, it was about you and your brother and your, your band? And, documentaries and are difficult because uh, unlike scripted films where you, someone works on a script for a year or two, uh, a director goes out and shoots it and then you edit it. Um, with a documentary, you shoot your script first and then you write your film. So the yeah. process is really, it was years uh, of editing. A lot of, and, lot of the yellow stickies on the wall. Yeah, yellow yeah. stickies <laughs> and whiteboards yeah. and false starts and, you know, exciting days that turned into dead ends uh, and a lot of doubt. Making a shorter form uh, piece of content uh, is a lot easier and a lot more fun. Uh, a feature-length documentary is really hard. And we didn't start shooting. We started shooting that. It was like a friend was holding the camera. I used to call him Shaky Cam. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have labs. Yeah. Um, I think we had like a, what were they called, DVC? Oh, yeah, DVC Pro. Yeah, something like that. Little, one of those little cameras? Yeah, like I think we started like yeah. that. And then we got um, the Panasonic one that was a DV cam uh -huh. again. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was it was like we, we had tapes after tapes after tapes <laughs> those after tapes. tapes. Mini, those little mini. Yeah, oh and then we had to conform them all and or transfer them yeah, all. I mean, it was a, it was a nightmare. Was and sure. back then, I remember that it, it was a nightmare how we shot some certain things and the way that we had to edit. Every time you made an edit, you had to go back and uh, process that bit of yeah. render. You had to render every time you made it, every single time. So brutal. So if you made a change, you had to sit and wait. And sometimes it took a long time. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's painful. So it was years. It was a nightmare. Uh, and I'm glad that we told that story. Yeah. But we didn't set out to shoot a film. So we didn't set out with an outline or an idea in mind. It was like, oh, let's just cover this stuff. And then as the case went on, the battle went on, and during the course of making the album This Is War, it, we knew we were on to something because we were making this album, we were fighting our record company, we were financing the record ourselves, we were betting on ourselves, we were fighting this giant uh, uh, corporation, and then we started to get slightly better camera and start, oh, maybe we should have a lab here and, 
you and know, then you we, start looking at the earlier stuff, going, oh. yeah, we're like, oh Jesus. So there was there were there were a lot of there was a lot of craftsmanship, a lot of um, a lot of tricks employed to elevate what was there. Uh, but yeah, really, really glad we told that story. It's a beautiful story. Uh, in the few minutes that we've got remaining, I, I, I'm trying to uncover two things in particular. One is a little bit about uh, failure. So I think that's one of the things that is, uh, I'm trying to represent the people who are on the other side of this camera. People are going from zero to one, like trying to explore their creativity and sort of get um, out of their own skin into the, or sort of get out of the world and into their own skin and explore creativity. And then there are people who consider themselves creative and want to sort of lean into that. And failure is a big thing. You, you mentioned a couple times, like starting, failing, starting yeah. again. You've many misstarts with, with Artifact, which is one of the reasons I'm trying to hang my head on that a little bit uh, yeah. as we're talking. Talk about that in the, the sphere of your work, uh, being a multi-hyphenate artist and being involved in so many things. How, what role does that play for you? Well, I, I only succeed a little bit because I fail a lot. That's a fact. I'll write hundreds of songs just to come up with 10 that are worthy to make the album. We'll have a you know five-hour cut of Artifact just to get 90 minutes that's watchable. Uh, but failure is often the thing that leads us to success, and success is often the thing that leads us to fail. So it's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, that's a funny thing to say, but you it's, know, it's, it. it's I, a true, I believe it, uh, and I found it be, to be true in my life. But failure is, is a great opportunity. You know, Andy Warhol... Uh, One of my favorite artists of all time. You know, know yeah, the most famous artists in the world. Okay, Picasso and Andy Warhol, hands down. Okay, and I would say Andy Warhol, the most recognizable, most famous artist in the world, and, and will be for the next hundred years. So his first show in Los Angeles, he sold none of his artwork. I think that, you know, someone felt bad and maybe bought one of the pieces, yeah. um, the soup cans, <laughs> and uh, one or two, and there were a ton of them. And the gallery owner ended up buying them back from the people and kept it together as a set. I remember reading that. Yeah, and, and he said, it. Andy, you know, I really think these should be kept together. The show didn't go so well, but you're incredible. I love these. I'd like to buy them all. Um, how much do you want th for them? And Andy said, well, send me a check for $1,000 or something like that. Yeah, which ended up being worth hundreds of millions. 20, he sold them, for, I think, for 16 or $20 million, and, and now I think they're worth about $100 yeah. million. But, but regardless, you know, here's a guy who had a, a, a lot of success in his life and a ton of failure. Um, but I like what he said about, he said it about criticism, not just about failures that, you know, just keep making art. Let other people decide if it's good or bad. And while they're trying to decide, you just continue to make art. That's a great, simple philosophy. Um, you do what you got to do. Uh, fail a lot, because in the failure becomes the most beautiful uh, uh, reward and result. What's next? You got the big film coming out in August? Yeah, in August, Suicide Squad comes out. <laughs> I think you either texted me or emailed me, or I don't yeah. remember how. I got a picture of you before it hit the news, maybe, of the, the costume. Yeah. 
That's freakish. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was fun. It was a once in a lifetime. I mean, it was really something special to do. And again, you know, a huge opportunity to fail. And, you know, as an actor, part of your role in a film, you don't have very much control in the outcome. It's up to the, the director and the editor and the producers and the, the, the studio. Uh, uh, but you contribute in the best way that you can. And I failed a lot during that film, um, but I took a lot of chances. So I always on the, the word on the street is that when you started acting, the whole set stopped and watched. Oh, yeah, so that, something, you were doing something, right? Yeah, to make everybody nice to hear. get everybody's attention. But. It's nice to hear. I mean, I think that I, one thing I promised myself is that I was going to be brave and I was going to take a lot of chances. And that's always fun to watch. You know, it's uh, so I could see yeah. why people oh, would shit, say that he's because going there. <laughs> he's going there and you fail a lot, too. I mean, it's great. That's that's good fun to watch. So um, we'll see. We'll see what people uh, think and hopefully they they enjoy. Fair enough. Anything you'd want to leave us with a question I didn't ask that I should have? No, just thank you for having me, man. I'm super grateful for your time. You're an inspiration. The multi hyphenate thing, I think it's the future of. Uh, not just creativity, but the world, and yeah. you're living it every day. So, and we'll have so many titles that will just be known as a human. That's right. Sweet. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate it. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say a a huge thank you. B let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this. Also, uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.